The Beckers team is excited to be making our return to in-person events this fall. Join us in September for Beckers Hospital Review 6th Annual Health IT and Revenue Cycle Conference. We have opportunities to attend the in-person program in Chicago and also to join us virtually from the comfort of your own home. For information about registering and to find out if you are eligible to attend free of charge, reach out to us at registration at beckershealthcare.com. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to get to visit with Dr. Larry Moss, Lawrence Moss. Dr. Moss is the CEO and president of the More, Children, the More Children's Health, uh, a magnificent leader, and he talks about what he sort of sees both in children's healthcare and healthcare in general, some of the thoughts on strategy, competition, where the system is going, and more. Dr. Moss, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, my name is Larry Moss, and I am, as you said, the president and CEO of Morris Children's Health. We're a uh, multi-state, multi-hospital system of pediatric care focused primarily in the Northeast Delaware Valley area and in the Southeast in Florida and a little bit in South Georgia. Thank you. And where in Florida are you folks about? So we have multi, we actually have 40 locations of care in Florida. We have a freestanding children's hospital in Orlando in central Florida. Um, we have a large multi-specialty clinic in which we're a, in a close partnership with Wilson's Children's Hospital in Jacksonville. Uh, we have clinic locations in Pensacola and multiple other locations across the Panhandle, uh, down the east coast of St. Lucie, and, and uh, all the way across into Polk County. Fantastic. Thank you so much. In, in the children's health market, how is strategy and competition evolving? I know in the adult market, there are so many new entrants, whether private equity funded or the big telehealth companies or the Walmarts, the CVS, Aetna's and the United's. What does it look like in the children's health market? How is strategy and competition evolving? Well, I think every Every lens uh, right now, Scott, has to look through emerging from with the COVID pandemic. And well, the journey isn't linear, the end is in sight and, there, and we have a lot of enthusiasm. A key issue about the children's market is that we were hit harder financially than many of our adult peer institutions. And we have been much slower to reemerge from that. And it's only in the last few weeks that we've seen volumes come back and, and revenues start to approach where they were in 2019. So we are very much in a, in a high optimism recovery mode, but that's very recent. So when you ask about market forces. Um, you know, I tend to think about consolidation and the local strategic issues going on as kind of background noise. And I like to look at the larger forces. And, and I'm very optimistic about the large forces in healthcare when I think about emergence from the pandemic. I, it, despite all of the tragedies of the pandemic, there were some tremendous positives for the future of healthcare in the United States. We have been able to understand that our system is so much more resilient, so much more agile, and so much more adaptable than anyone would have believed before the pandemic. I think we're now talking about the kind of changes and transformation over a rapid pace that we previously were talking about might occur, uh, about potentially occurring over decades. And, and when you look at sort of children's health systems like Nemours, to be great, 
to be the system you want to be, and the Moore's Children's Health is already a magnificent system, what does that have to look like several years from now? What does the Moore's Children's Health have to be just absolutely magnificent in for you to be proud of the system you are? So I believe very strongly, Scott, that that we need to change the definition of children's health in this country to something bigger and more inclusive and that we should all be held accountable for those changes. I think a truly great children's health system in the future will be creating health for all children. So that will include provision of superb cutting edge quaternary and tertiary services like we all do and like Nemours will continue to do at the highest level. But we also need to take accountability for the vast majority of issues that comprise the health of a child that are beyond medical care. And those include safe housing, food security, freedom from violence, all of the many conditions in which children grow up. Well, we won't own any of those spaces and and we will need to work with partners I believe that children's hospitals need to become the stewards of health in American society, and we need to provide great medical care and much more than that to really create healthy generations of children. And, and how does a Nemours Children's Health, I mean, I, I see, for example, different health systems. Atrium Health is famous for having invested a lot in low-income housing in their areas. But how does an Amores Children's Health, while being magnificent at the quaternary and tertiary specialties, whether it's oncology or orthopedics, whatever it might be, neonatal, prenatal, surgery, all these things that have emerged in, in children's health, how do you take a step forward into the community to have a bigger impact on housing, poverty, and those issues? How does a children's health system do that, and how do you make the big impact you'd like to make? It seems like such a big problem. So I give you two concepts to think about in response to that question. One is payment transformation and two is partnership. Now with respect to payment transformation, the economic engine of American healthcare is not health. It's volume and complexity of medical services delivered. And we and every other health system in the country under our current fee-for-service environment are actually incentivized for the opposite of health. The more operations we do, the more patients we have in the ICU, the more procedures we do, that's the economic driver of our system. Well, we need to do those things and want to do those things when necessary. We should be financially incentivized to minimize those things and to prevent those problems in the first place. So Nemours plans to to lead the nation in a move to a pay-for-health system as opposed to a pay-for-delivery-of-medical-care system. Now, with respect to partnerships, those would be in the area of government agencies, non-governmental not-for-profits, and even businesses in the community in order to partner to create healthy children. And once we moved, once, once there is transformation of the way we get paid, there will be tremendous financial incentives for systems like Nemours to work with those partners to actually create health and to do the things we need to do to keep kids out of the hospital. I can give you an example. Nemours participated and received a grant from uh, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation a number of years ago for asthma care. And using a variety of relatively inexpensive community interventions, 
we were able to cut emergency department visits in half and cut the rate of hospitalizations massively. Now, on the hospital side, we lost money because we were paid fee for service, but it was the right thing to do, and it's the type of thing we want to do more of in the future. And, and let me ask you a question, a very real question. My son goes to see the ENT, and we're in a fee-for-service world, and, and my concern is it's going to push just a little bit for the procedure versus not the procedure. Now, you know, just a little bit of skepticism that that might be the direction that will push just a little bit. Now, the opposite is true in the pay-for-value world. How am I going to not have the same skepticism on the other side that the physician's not going to want to do the surgery because he or she gets disincentivized to do so under the economic system of pay-for-value? You know, and again, I'll bring you back to last year where the payers, of course, completely cleaned up because procedures weren't being done. And so they just cleaned up. It was like a windfall. And the same thing happened with these Medicare managed care plans where big physician groups managing Medicare managed care plans had the year of a lifetime based on procedures not being done. It was just things were closed down. And they still got their capitated fees. So when the incentive changes from, from doing the procedure, and I get concerned that I'll be told we should do the procedure, to not doing the procedure, how do I measure that? How does that, how does that exactly work, Dr. Moss? Yeah, really good question, Scott. And I, you know, you say there's a little bit of incentive to do the procedure. Uh, you're being kind with that statement. I'd say there's a lot of incentive to do that procedure. And I don't say that to impugn or malign the individual motives or ethics of any individual practitioner. I mean, I spent my entire career as a surgeon trying to make best judgments about when to operate and when not to operate. Nevertheless, when, when an entire, when generations of physicians and providers grow up in an environment where success is defined as volume, you get volume. And, you know, the forces are subtle, they're beneath the surface, but they are there. So you ask me, if we go to a value world and, and we're paid for health, would the incentives be misaligned in the other way? And I would say nothing could be further from the truth because in a, in a value pay for health world, the incentives are aligned for health. So your child with the ear problem is most likely to get the treatment that will keep your child out of the hospital, away from the operating room, out of the ICU, except when absolutely necessary. So your incentive to have a healthy child will be fully aligned with the health system's incentive to survive financially. Thank you. And, and Dr. Moss, next question. When you look at this year and you look at the recovery and the optimism of moving back in the right direction, what are you most excited about? What, what excites you this year? Where are you most excited and where are you most focused? Well, I'm excited about a lot of things. I, I, I will come back to where we started this conversation is I'm excited about the opportunity for change. You know, we saw during COVID uh, our system, for example, going from 20 health, 20 telehealth visits a week to 5,000 telehealth visits a week in a matter of a couple of weeks. We saw the most massive financial hit you could have imagined our health system taking, yet we came through and we proved that the system is way more resilient than anticipated. So all of these conversations that we've been teeing up about health system transformation and pace of change 
are now on a different playing field. We, we, we no longer can succumb to the argument that, oh, the system can't absorb it that fast. We got to move more slowly. We, you know, we got to do pilots. We got to experiment. I think the most exciting thing is we can be pretty aggressive. We can be pretty decisive and pretty bold. And the system is tough enough to survive a few missteps as we move towards doing the right thing. I think that's a magnificent attitude. And you and I know that great leaders, we see great leaders, they're willing to take some risks. They're willing to move forward. And they view it as they got to have a good batting average. A surgeon's got to have a fantastic batting average. A leader has to have a very good batting average. And this willingness to take risks and be big enough to say, I can handle the risk of trying this, trying that, trying that, without worrying, oh, my God, the sky's going to fall, is a much better place to be in. And I, I can't help but applaud your perspective that through this pandemic, it forced people to move fast, you know, and, and, and get to a good enough spot on data and make a judgment and move forward. And I think it's a, it's a great way to operate. Dr. Moss, I want to thank you for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It's always a great pleasure to visit with you. It really is. Thank you so much for joining us. Really enjoyed the conversation, Scott. Thank you for your questions. And, and uh, thank you for getting these views out there as you do so well.